I've titled this morning, Why Can't We Fully Be Why Can't We Fully Commit? In Luke chapter 9. Why can't we fully commit? I'm talking about Christians in here who, who are fully committed, not just Christian by name or Christian by social media, but Christians who when we do go on mission trips, you are the warriors. You will preach the word of God. You will defend his faith. You will stand. Not a Christian who says they're a Christian who grew up in church or uh, by their catechism or baptism or tradition or membership. They think that's salvation. They think they validate their faith based on those items when we never see fruit in their lives. Now, I'm not talking about a Christian who, who says they're a Christian, but all of a sudden when things get too hard, they back away and said, this is not really for me. A Christian who does not share their faith or exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, I would pray that you would ask God to reveal to you, God, how can I change in your name? What, what do I need to do to change? God, how can you revive my heart? Am I just gloomy and a dud? We're called to take his gospel, his word, here and now. If I'm not doing it on campus or at Dillon's or my ball games, why would I even expect to do it in Mexico or Omaha, Nebraska? We're called to do it, and our theme is as you go. The premise is, is this. As I live my life, as I go to class, as I play my sports, in my academics, the gospel should overflow of my life. My love of God should overflow. But why can't we fully commit? I believe society has produced people that have, they want that quick gratification, like a microwave theology. We want Jesus, when we pray, Jesus, help me do this or help me do this. You want it right now because you think, well, Jesus, answer my prayers. My prayers are more important than so-and-so's. You've created an instant theology where if you don't see God moving, you're going to give up. If you don't see friends becoming closer to Jesus, you're going to give up. You're going to kind of say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. If you don't see mom and dad changing, you may get disheartened. If you don't even see yourself Moving as quick as you want toward your walk with Christ, that may discourage you. I was in uh, Vacaville, where we go to the next slide, Jace. This is a picture of me, the cat. Heavy breathing, inhaler, normal breathing. Who feels like that right now? Right? But I was, when I was in California, I was in Mill Valley uh, for about five years. So it was by um, the organic stuff and all the food I didn't like. So I had to go down to Oakland to get some food I actually liked or down to San Francisco. But I had signed up for a half marathon. How, how many miles is a half marathon? Someone tell me. Yeah, I'm not a runner, okay? My work, we used to go to Starbucks every day and Safeway, okay? You do that every day for a couple of years, you're about to get a little husky, okay? The Lord still loved me, okay? He still loved me. I told my wife, yeah, I signed up for a half marathon. Why? Because I'm prideful and I thought I can do it. I said, I said, Paige, guess what? Sign up for a half marathon. She said, you don't even run. I said, yeah, I know. But the challenge is going to be cool. I said, I signed up for a mountain trail marathon. I didn't know what I signed up for. The morning of, I bought me these short shorts and a pack. And, of course, I was a little heavier. They're like, what are you doing here? I felt out of place. I had my earphones in. I thought I was cool. But when we arrived to the, the property, I realized there was a huge mountain in front of me in Vacaville. I said, Lord, help me. I've already signed up. I've already paid for it. And I almost died the first round. I think I died. And because there was some girl in front of me, I could not let her pass me. Or I was just falling right behind her. If you've done trails, you've just got to take those little baby steps. Right? I almost died. I said, Lord, just take me now. My phone had died on me. I didn't have my Rocky on to motivate me. Those little gel shots you take, 
I had just eaten them all. My legs were frozen. I didn't know what to do, and I almost wanted to cry. Have you ever wanted to cry when you just were hurting the sport? I almost cried. I don't know if I did, but I thought I might have cried. My, I was drowning in sweat. I didn't want to quit. I told my wife, I'll be done in two hours. That's a pretty good time for those who run. Two hours. The same loop I saw, I've got to do it again. And I think, uh, I walked, by the way, much of the race. And my wife says, where are you? I came about two hours later. I'm not going to tell you the time I finished. She's like, you told me to be here at this time. And you were at this time. My wife had to wait. And let me tell you, she was pregnant when she was waiting. I committed to something that I did not prepare for. Prideful. It looked good. I wanted the free t-shirt in the medal. Right? And then I didn't post on the Facebook. But I was committed to something that I had no idea what I was doing. And I wasn't even fully committed. For those of you who are on, you're like, dude, you are way out of your league. Why'd you do it? You ran it in three hours and 30 minutes. Slap in the face for the runners. I wasn't fully committed. I took it nonchalantly. I said, I've got this. I know enough. I ran like 10 years ago. I still got it. You know, sometimes I think us as Christians, we do that. Well, I, I came to faith in Christ at 9 or 10, and God really moved my heart. And I remember that 10 years ago. And, and today, I know I know God, but it just seems like I'm not taking it serious. I, I have the Word of God in my room, but I just don't know if I ever open it. When I pray, I, I pray, and sometimes I fall asleep praying. Who's falling asleep when they pray, you know? I do it almost every night. My wife, we pray together sometimes, and sometimes I tell my wife, can you pray for us? You know why I tell her that? I'm already trying to go to sleep, okay? So Paige, pray for us. By the time she's done praying, I'm already knocked out. But inconsistency in the word and, and praying and go to church. Let me tell you something. March of 2020, I came back here. It was when COVID had happened. It was my first year, my whole, you know, since 18, one year where I just sat in the pews. I sat in the pews. I didn't care about church. Who's been there? I was a Christian. I didn't care about church. I was there because my in-laws were there. Roy J's the pastor there. I had to look good. My wife's pastor's daughter. I had to go. If I didn't go, they were going to say, what, what are you married to that guy for? He ain't no Christian. Right? They wouldn't say that, but some people would have thought it. They're, they're in the church. I just sat there. I didn't want to go, but I was kind of forced to. You've been there? And I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Sitting there in the pews, just doing one of these. Oh, Lord, I'm hungry. I don't want to be here. What's for lunch? What I got going on Monday? Where I'm going, you know. I'm thinking all these thoughts. I didn't want to be there. When the preaching occurs, I had my Bible open, giving them, you know, some nods. Make you think I was listening, but I wasn't listening. I was a dud. I was nothing. For one year I sat under the preaching and teaching God's word. Did not do anything. Did not teach a Bible lesson. Did not preach for one year. That was one of the, my most miserable years of my life. And let me tell you that. My marriage was suffering, too, when I came uh, back from California. Our first child, they don't, they don't make a book on this. First child, uh, leaving the church, leaving a good employment, coming back, had no idea what I was going to do. No idea. And let me tell you, I was in God's Word every day, too. I was still reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. I was still reading every day, but it wasn't affecting my life. So I was spiritually in dark darkness. Although you couldn't tell me, I dressed up, I ironed, I ironed my long sleeve shirt, had a little you know, streak on that. On the outside, I, I had you fooled. But on the inside, I, I was saying, help me. 
I don't want to be here. I'm sick and tired of it. I feel like I'm being judged. God, I just don't know where you're at. God, you're not moving in my life. I don't hear you no more, God. What's going on? I saw you move in California. I saw you move there. Throughout this whole time, I, it was me. As we look in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, 62, it was me who I created a comfortable Christianity is what I like to call that. That, that realm where, where it's comfortable. Have you ever been comfortable as a Christian? I'm talking about I'm talking believers in here. Where life, for me in that time, I was comfortable in that stage. Can I tell you? I was comfortable going to church, doing the church thing, and doing nothing for a whole year. Can you believe that? Some of you are like, wow, and he's up there. I was comfortable. That just shows me and it shows you God's faithfulness, his love, his security, his patience on my life. Even when I'm so far away, I wasn't counting the cost. I was not fully committed. And for comfortable Christianity, life may be good when you got a little money in your bank account, when you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend, or when you're starting on the team, when your grades are good. Life is good. You ever... Let me tell you, you can be a joyful Christian. You can have blessings as a Christian. Okay, I'm not saying that. Don't. You can be joyful. You can be happy as a Christian. You can experience God's riches, his mercy, and his grace. But you can still be comfortable in that. Well, God, I've now ha- I have this, God. I don't need you anymore. Well, God, you answered this prayer. I'm good now. Sounds like the Israelites. God, help us here. Help us, God. But then when we have what we need... Our bellies are full. We sometimes walk away. I don't need God. We, we treat God like he's a, you ever go to a restaurant and ring the bell? Ding, 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 right? God, I need you now. My timing. Now, God, where are you at? Or a God in the genie. God, I just need this right now. Or a 911. God, you only talk to God when it's 911 situation. We are living in a culture where it's created us as Christians, almost as if we're still babies filling off the bottle. You know what I mean? I believe we still have a lot of Christians in their pampers. Anyone got any kids in here? Any kids? Pampers is the brand we use, right, Jordan? What brand do you use, Jordan? Same. Same. We're pampers. That's the, the cool kind. But I'm telling you, we have some, some people in generalization that are spiritually still in pampers. Can I say that right quick? Is that, is that okay? Is that okay? Let me tell you, I was there. <laughs> I was there. And I know how it feels. I know how it feels when you don't feel like you don't belong in the church. <laughs> You've served ministry years and years, and you didn't fully commit. Now you expect God to move in your life, in your heart, in your marriage, your relationships. But Jesus says these words here in this context. Jesus faces towards Jerusalem. Jesus set his mind. He knew what was going to happen. In Luke chapter 9, if you'll read verse 57, and 58, and they were going along the road. Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Wow. Three individuals here that encountered Jesus. I'll follow you, Jesus. He says, bro, you want to stay at the Marriott, but I ain't even got a Motel 6 for you. You know, I, you want to stay at the $185 motel, but I've got the $18 one for you. 
You ever stay one of those motels? I have before. I don't recommend it. I will follow you wherever you go. You know, you would have thought Jesus said, well, come on. I got you. I need, I, I need you. He says, no. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said, if you're going to follow me, the path will not be easy. It may be uncomfortable. It may bring hardships. But James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. When I, when I walk with Jesus, it won't be comfortable. But when I walk with Jesus, he's always got me. He's always got my back. I'm not walking alone. That's why I can't, I'm not going to be afraid. He's always with me. That's when I, walk, when I walk with Jesus, even though mom and dad are talking about a divorce or a separation or mom and dad are having financial difficulties or mom and dad are missing you. Because I can walk with Jesus. I have that peace of Jesus some of y'all miss your parents. They're way far off, and you haven't seen them, and you won't see them till December. Let me tell you something. I was able to see uh, my father, what was it, a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, I told you my backstory. Um, he was able to see Arya, my ham. You know, she's the ham. I like to call her the ham, but he saw his grandkids, right? He, he saw his grandkids, and my father, I was with him an hour and a half. The only thing he says to me is this, theology. My dad doesn't have a seminary degree or biblical studies degree or a Christian thought degree. He doesn't have even a GED. He didn't even go to school. But he knows more Bible than I do. He knows the Lord. He pours into me scripture, wisdom, and counsel. And he pours into me this message, this, what he told me. And I quote, yeah, your little sister's going to have a baby. Yeah, your twin sister, she's working a job. Are you taking care of her? But what about you? Are you still having joy in the ministry? Are you still serving even when it's difficult? Even when life throws things in your way and Satan wants to distract you, uh, put you into depression, make your anxiety go higher, make you want to quit, make you want to step down? Comfortable Christianity is a poison to the church. It's a poison to the campus. A comfortable Christianity says, Jesus, I will follow you, but on my terms... I will follow you because it's about me. A comfortable Christianity says, me, me, me. God, how can you benefit my life? Not only that, we see in verse 59 and 60. Another person to another, he said, now Jesus said, follow me. He said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Verse 60, and Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Whoa. Is this Jesus we're talking about? The biblical Jesus? Yes. This is. Churches have warped a Jesus. And they've overemphasized in the area of God. And they've almost made Jesus to come alongside you and party with you. They've almost created the Jesus that could come along and party and drink with you. They've created a buddy Jesus. A Jesus that doesn't cost them nothing. It's a Jesus that they've stripped of his deity and conformed it to their image because they like it and because it's my truth. You can't tell me nothing. It's my truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. How do you know your truth is a lie? They've created their own truth. Here he says, you can follow me, but let the dead bury their own dead. In Judaism, it was a long process of burial. Basically, Jesus is saying this. It's a figure of speech pointing out don't wait till you have it all ready. Don't wait till you're ready. 
Don't wait till your life is all put together. He's not saying follow me once your GPA is a 3.2 or you get 60 hours or you finally get some playing time or you get a relationship. He's saying, no, don't wait. Don't put your household together. He's saying to us married folks, don't follow me when you're, you don't got to follow me when your marriage isn't the best or your kids don't listen to you or things, things are going hard in ministry and church. Or your relatives don't talk to you. He's saying, follow me when you don't feel like it. Because sometimes emotions, they like to lie to you, don't they? Emotions lie to you. One moment you're happy, one moment you're sad, one moment you're crying. Have you ever cried um, out in public and you didn't know what, why you cried? Goodness. Let me tell you, uh, one of the worst experiences, you know, one of the new things for me is crying out in Chick-fil-A. I couldn't even, I couldn't even order a couple weeks ago. You know what I mean? One of those moments where you just cry and you just don't know what's happening. My emotions are like this. But Jesus says, you follow me. You don't have to put it all in order. What does Matthew 6 say? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But all these things will be added unto you. Jesus is saying this. You don't have to have career, job, degree, relationship, engagement, marriage, kids, car, house, popularity. So many followers on social media. He's saying, no, if you juggle all these things because of you, you will drop them all. He's saying, but put me at the center and I will handle it all. But if you can give it to me, we're holding on to things because we like it. We like things that give us power, influence. And if it was stripped away from us, we would be crushed. We place who we are in much of what we do. We place who we are in much of what we post. He said, follow me. Not only this, we see Jesus saying in verse 61 and 62. Yeah, another said, third person here. I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. Let me say bye. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus, are you, are you, are you kidding me right now, Jesus? You're telling me that I can't say farewell to my home. And he says, follow me. He's saying this. He calls for a full commitment. Excuses of why we don't follow Jesus. Well, I'm not going to follow you, Jesus, because I just don't like how Christians are portrayed. I don't like how the church treated me. My image of God was distorted because the pastor preached something that was heretical. The pastor preached uh, wrong theology or wrong doctrine. You grew up in the church environment. Anyone grew up in the church you felt that was strict? Yeah, yeah, you can raise your hands. This is a safe spot. It's okay. It's okay. And because church was strict, mom and dad were strict. And because that was strict, that kind of, you said, you know what? I don't know if I want to try church again. So some of you may be in here just saying, I've not tried church again, but I want to let you know there are good churches out there. Don't judge all the churches by your experience. In the same way your experiences in God, you may have been hurt by, you feel you've been hurt by God and a loss or a grief or experience has allowed you not to be fully committed. But Jesus encounters three people. But he said to them, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Who, who in here are farmers? Raise your hand if you're a farmer. Farmer, okay, okay. There you go, there you go. Farmers, a plow. He's basically saying this. This is, a, this is an image where it kind of makes you look weird, but I'm going to do it. Okay. Actually, you know what? Men, can I pick on you right quick? 
Okay? It's not going to be uh, rated R. I'm going to cross some boundaries right now. Okay. Imagine there's a cute girl. Okay? Ladies, I'm sorry if this happens to you. Man, we need to grow up a little bit. Well, let me tell you what I did with my wife at college. I was walking. You ever broke your neck to look at the lady? I broke my neck to look at her. So I was walking like this, right? Where, do I know where I'm going now? No. The same image. Ladies, you do the same thing, so I'm not picking on men too. When you think he's cute, you tell your girl he's cute. But it says this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. It's, you're looking back and you're staring here. God, God is saying, don't look back to who you once were. He's saying, don't look back to that bad relationship. Don't look back to what mom and dad done to you. Don't look back to what the church has done to you. Don't look back to what you've done to yourself. If you continue looking back, you are unfit for the kingdom of God. But rather, God is saying this, you must let go of relationships that are toxic. Men, when, when men get their diapers off, when we become men who are godly and not manipulate girls and not control our emotions and our pride gets in the way saying you can't have a relationship with the guy because I'm jealous of my insecurities, right? And the ladies don't want to get out of the relationship because of their insecurities and their fear of being abandoned. And because they have no father in life, they want something in their life because it feels good not to be lonely here in college and you can go with somebody on the weekends. I'm talking about you're looking back and you're still going to that bad relationship. You're still going back to that house. You're still going back to that person. You're still going back to that alcohol. You're still going back to that good feeling. I'm talking about good feelings that you like. I'm talking about the Kleenex relationships, and you know what I mean. We're still looking back as a Christian, but God says this is unfit for us. But rather, we are, we are to throw, up, throw it all off. Why? Jesus set his face. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem and I will die for you. I will die for you. I will be mocked, spit upon, beaten, hung on the cross, nails in my feet and hands. I will hang there and they will mock me. And they will make fun of me. And Jesus could send legions of angels. But he would say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He will die on the cross for you and I. And take the sin of the world. And the wrath of God would be satisfied. And Jesus would be buried. And he would be resurrected on third day. A bodily resurrection. And for those who have not placed their faith in Christ. He says come to me. Come to me. If you've not placed your faith in Christ this morning. I believe in God. I'll place my faith. The righteous shall live by faith. I've got a picture of what also looks like full commitment up there on the screen. This was in, in California. I miss California sometimes, being back in Kansas. You know, I keep telling my wife, I remember driving out Richmond Bridge, the waves going to Hercules. You know where Hercules was, Senior City. We had our church there. The waves in the Golden Gate Bridge. And our church, we had a church plant. And this was, I worked with Filipino people, and the food was great. But we, these people came to Christ at one of our sermons we preached on the beach. We had beach sermons and you were invited. I don't know where this picture was, um, but that right there, that guy in the middle was Rico Marquez. He mentored me for five years. He's uh, one of my favorite pastors. But full commitment also looks like believer's baptism. You're a Christian in here and maybe you've not been baptized. I'd like to talk to you about that. Really, I'd like to talk to you about that. Baptism is important. If you've not considered it, it's a picture of our obedience. It's a picture of Death, burial, and resurrection, it's us being new in Christ. 
buried with him in Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life. Lastly, I have one last scripture I want to share with you. And this is kind of an, an image. Proverbs 26, 11, Like a dog. Now imagine this. This is gross. Okay, if you're hungry, I'm sorry. Like a dog that returns to its, his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. That is, that's nasty, right? Like someone who returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Exactly what he's talking about in this last verse. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Imagine you going back to that sin. You're like in that vomit. You're going back to that dangerous cycle. That's what you're basically doing, going back to that spiritual vomit. You're going back to that garbage. Jesus says, no, if you want to be my follower, you must commit to me. It's a full commitment. You have to say, Jesus is better than that. You fill in the blank for you. Jesus is better than what in your life? What in your life is a sin that's really beating you down, that you seem you can't have victory over right now? I can list you a lot. I have a lot, by the way. What's really getting you down? Are you over? Stressed? Are you overloaded? Do you spend too much time with other people and yet forget to fill your cup in? Are you stressed about academics or relationships or Thanksgiving or Christmas or who you're going to go with? You're stressed about transitioning. You don't even know if you're going to be here next semester. You're thinking, oh God, I don't know if I'm going to even pass this class. Is Jesus better than that? Is overcoming that sin worth it? I've got one last story. We're called to follow Jesus and be fully committed to this. I'm, I bought a book maybe about two months ago, Calling Out the Call, and I plan to take some of y'all through it in the spring. Shane Pruitt and Dr. Scott Pace wrote it. There's a story in chapter five. Shane Pruitt, he was going to the Bible college, and he worked at the warehouse for a year. And every day he ate lunch with his friend and uh, took breaks with his friend. So we all have... When we go to work, you have the friends that you eat lunch with, and you kind of know, right? You, you know them. But he was the, Shane was the type of guy who wore Christian T-shirts. Anything Christian. You know those people that wear Christian stuff, right? Jesus, this. I'm not, you know, great do it for you. You know, I want to rock some of that stuff if you can buy it for me. So they ate lunch together, and they were with, with each other all the time. One year passes by. On the Monday morning, 8 a.m., his friend grins. His friend's name is Brandon. He goes up to Shane and gives him a big smile. Uh, Shane's like, what's happened, bro? He's like, I went to church and my nephew was baptized. Okay. He says, but the pastor also offered an invitation and I surrendered my life to Christ. So Shane gives him a big hug and he celebrates. He says, now you're with me forever in eternity. And a couple of moments pass by and Shane gives, tries to go for another hug. Brandon pushes him out of the way. His demeanor changes. He became angry. He's, he says, Shane, you're telling me that there is a heaven and there's a hell. That if I don't place my faith in Jesus, I go to hell. But you're telling me if I place my faith in Jesus, I go to heaven. You're saying that's in the Bible? And Shane's like, he gulped. He's like, yeah, yeah, brother. He says, how come you never told me about it? You said you were a Christian, but you never told me. We ate lunch together for a whole year and took breaks together, but you never told me about it. He says, I thought you cared about me. I thought you cared about me. Why didn't you tell me? Christian, when we fully commit to Christ, 
We're going to have those conversations. And it's going to be the most difficult with your inner friends. It's going to be the most difficult to the ones who you have your breaks with, or who you work with, and with mom and dad. It may be most difficult with your boyfriend or girlfriend right now, but those are hard ones to have. It's hard for me to have them with my siblings right now. It's hard to have that with my wife right now. You know, they're hard. But if I'm going to commit to Christ, I just have to say, hey, can I just tell you what Jesus has done in my life? Just give me 10 minutes. Let me just share what Christ has done in my life. You, you can listen. You don't have to. But let me just share. I don't want anyone to come up. Jose, you're a Christian. You never told me. Imagine how I would feel. That would break me. Shane goes on. He is now uh, for the North American Mission Board. Uh, one of the prominent speakers goes on speaking across the nation. That book has just convicted my heart. I don't want to be a half-hearted disciple or a half-hearted Christian. I don't want to be. My encouragement as Christians in here, commit. Commit to follow him. Commit to follow him. Share his name. Let me pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for your word. Jesus, you have said these things. I pray that the Christian in here Oh, Father, I for, forgive me for following you half-heartedly. Forgive me for just taking it easy. Forgive me for being comfortable in my spots. Oh, Father, would you usher a revival here on campus? Bring a revival in my heart. Father, bring joy to my dry bones. That way I can speak the name of Jesus during lunches or during breaks or people I come in contact with. I want to be bold and unashamed of the gospel. I'm tired of it, God. I pray a blessing over everyone here. More importantly, the seeds of the gospel may be planted for the Christian to run the race. In Christ we pray. Amen, amen.